Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Gabe Ramirez. That's a magic number. Morell going to third. He will slide. He's got a triple. The Mondayest Monday of all Mondays here in the city of Chicago. What well, was a beautiful weekend turned into a uh, frozen three here in the city of Chicago. It was, it was kind of weird waking up to seeing snow on my grass and on my on my car today, but we made it through it. If it were to happen on any day, God bless it. I'm glad it happened on a Monday instead of a Friday or a Saturday, right? Uh, but we're going to get through it like always, hanging out. Of course, Cubs baseball coming on after this. Uh, so I'm going to lead you guys right into that, all right? And I'm going to start the show the way I always do. I call it the trifecta because essentially these are the three stories that have risen to the top. These are the three ice cubes that made it to the top of my water. And now I get to share them with you guys. Number three. So the NFL draft. 10 days away, next Thursday is going to be kicking off, man. It's unreal to think that something that we as as hosts here on 670 The Score and fans have obsessed over for months since finding out the Bears are going to get the number one pick in the draft. And here we are, Bears sitting at number nine. And we're only 10 days away from seeing what's going to happen with this Chicago Bears team. So it's going to be extremely exciting. And the Bears kicked off their voluntary offseason program today, which I thought was pretty cool. I, I start to think about it, and you think about the – the bell curve of players and where they fall when it comes to this voluntary offseason program, right? You have those that are entrenched, that are, you know, kind of not superstars, but guys that understand that I probably need to be here, you know, just to look good. And then you got, you know, people that are holding out or people that are probably do- saying that they're going to handle their workouts on their own. Either way, uh, that's what that bell curve looks like to me. But a couple of quotes from day one, this one from Kari Blazing Game says, I'm excited. Oh, he's the fullback for the Chicago Bears. I'm excited. Always seeing the guys is a good feeling. It feels like the first day of college. You're seeing all your boys again. I've read that statement and that of a couple of other players in there, and I'm starting to think, I'm like, you guys weren't gone for that long. <laughs> like, the season was, you know what I'm saying? Like, three, three, four months. It's not like, you know, I don't know. I guess summer's the same kind of way. Uh, Dominique Robinson, Chicago Bears defensive end, said it was fun walking in. I think somebody mentioned it's like the first day of school. That's kind of how I felt coming back and seeing everybody. Now, obviously, we as Bears fans, we're more like I feel like we're more focused this season than we have in a very long time. So what what is, in fact, the voluntary offseason programs? Well, the offseason consists of three phases. All right. So there's phase one that's right now. It's last two weeks. Just strength and conditioning, physical rehabbing for the people that are injured. 
No helmets. Um, no coaches on the field. Just strengthening the conditioning people. So that's his first two weeks. Second phase of the offseason program, that one lasts three weeks. All coaches are allowed on the field. And then the workouts themselves, you can do, like, individual player instructions. But helmets, not allowed at all. And offense versus defense is prohibited. And then in the third phase, uh, that one lasts four weeks. That's our OTAs that we hear about often. Um, and they include of 10 days up to that. And and the coaches are permitted on the field. The players can wear helmet helmets. Uh, but one-on-one drills involving offense and defense are not allowed. There's a couple of other things that... Once you read about this, you're like, oh, damn, the NFL Player Association was was in pretty crazy. Listen to this. Live contact is prohibited in all offseason workouts. That makes sense. Don't want your people to get injured. But it says players may not be at the club facility for more than four hours per day. First of all, let's live there. That's pretty sick. Like, if my NFL PA came in and was like, hey, bro, you can work. But these guys, nobody's working for more than four hours a day. That includes me getting ready. That's awesome. Uh, then it says uh, four days per week. You keep hearing about a four-day work week. The NFL has it right now uh, in place. Um, nor on weekends or on the field. Listen to this. Can't be on the field for more than 90 minutes per day. Hold up. Time out. I, you're already telling me I can only have these guys in the building for four hours, and now they can only be on the field for 90 minutes. Yo, whoever negotiated this contract, holler at me because I need those same things. Either way, um, Bears, good stuff. Right around the corner. And if you're a fan, it's just exciting to be able to talk about them uh, again. Number two. Speaking of football, staying in the same space, Gabe Ramirez here on 670 to score. Jalen Hurts just signed a brand new deal. Five years, $255 million contract. Makes him the highest paid player in NFL history. That's wild. Jalen Hurts? You mean the guy that didn't win the Super Bowl? Oh, Okay. Because uh, Patty Mahomes already had his. I understand. Um, he's a quarterback going into the fourth year with the team. But when you look at some of the stats, I just wanted to I wanted to highlight some for you. Not necessarily to justify the dollar amount that he's getting. Because obviously, contracts change all the time. Highest NFL player, uh, paid player today. But that might not be the case, obviously, in a couple of months. But um, here's some interesting stats. And obviously, we as Bears fans like to compare a Jalen Hurts. Or we hope that Justin Fields can be like a Jalen Hurts. So here's some stats. Rookie year compared to year three, because he's he's only been in the league three years. QBR, 77 rookie year. This past season, 101. Impressive. Completion percentage year one, 52%. Last season, 66. Big jump. Significant. In 15 games as a rookie, he only threw six touchdowns. In 15 games, he threw 22 this past season. It's nice. Three touchdowns in his rookie campaign, 13 in 2022. So you see the leaps and the jumps there, right? So obviously they're paying him because of, you know, the path that he's on and they hope that he continues to be just that. And we as Bears fans are hoping that Justin Fields can do the exact same thing in year three. The problem is, I don't know if we're trying to pay him five years, $255 million. Hey, bro, but you know what? It's not my money. So if you get the Bears to the Super Bowl, Papa, you deserve every dollar that Kevin Warren is trying not to give you as much as possible. All right, let's go. Number one. Number one. So the Bulls, I'm, I'm really into NBA basketball. That's my jam. NBA playoffs, just I can't get enough of it. The Lakers uh, versus Suns, excuse me, the Clippers versus Suns yesterday was just like the fourth quarter, last five, six minutes. Watching Kawhi and, and the Suns, I'll just say, go at it, was just really, really good basketball. It was like three-pointer, three-pointer, clutch shot after clutch shot. It was just really good. So 
Hopefully, you guys are catching a couple of games, even if you're just turning it on occasionally. Um, Bulls obviously made their way into the lottery process, and they, and they won a drawing, kind of. Uh, it's the one where they they, they win a tiebreaker versus uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. So they have like a one point, basically a minuscule chance for them to win the lottery and a little bit more of a bigger chance, like an 8% chance for them to end in the top four. So we'll be able to see what happens there. But, I mean, when you're looking at the percentages from that standpoint, if you were the team, like if you're the Raptors, you don't necessarily have a significantly, a statistically significant higher chance than the Bulls to go ahead and land. in the, Like you're still in that same muck. So we'll be able to see what happens there with the Chicago Bulls in that space. And, man, if you were, if you were listening to some of the exit uh, interviews from AK and a lot of the people – there was some really good, really good stuff from Casey Johnson this morning with Mully and Grody that I want to play for you guys a little bit later. We'll get into that and hear his take. And then Holmes and Rahimi did a really cool roundtable uh, with Stacey King, uh, Jason Goff, and the likes. And so I'm, I'm going to play some some of that stuff as well. Uh, Bill Wennington was, was in that as well. Of course, can't forget him. But the Bulls, man, where are they at? Where should they go? I have some thoughts on that. I'll talk to you guys about that in just a second. All right, there's your trifecta, ladies and gentlemen. That's a magic number. Very Chicago-centric today. Didn't step outside the box. I was just going local. Screw everybody else. We're not in the playoffs. Bulls are not in the playoffs. I don't care as that much. So I didn't want to waste the number on my trifecta there. But I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, the Bulls and the direction that they're going to be headed in. And when you look at the last game, there were some things that stood out to me um, about this Bulls team and, and, and specifically the last couple of weeks. And there were things that you saw, right? Patrick Williams being awesome. Kobe White hitting just some clutch threes and just playing the way that we all knew he could play. But one thing that stood out to me more than that even was the relationship between DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. And I've mentioned it for like the last year and a half now that the nonverbals between the two have just kind of thrown me off. DeMar would hit a game winner. Zach would be the last person to, you know, congratulate him. Vice versa. You saw some some stuff with Vooch and, and Zach. But then, you know, and I also talked about a passing of the torch a lot this season where I felt like, you know, we were all very high on DeMar, myself included, way better than I thought he was. And I've seen a ton of DeMar DeRozan. But when you get to see a guy night in and out, night out, you really get to appreciate his talents, kind of like a Lonzo Ball. So you knew he's the man, but you just, if you watch any game, granted, okay, fine, you can you could pick out certain things about Zach Levine's game that you might not like. But if you go to export or if you go play ball anywhere, you can, in five minutes, you can point out who the best hooper on the floor is. So I mean, turn the ball over. Great. You can't beat him in one-on-one, though, because he's that good. Like, Zach was that dude for me where you just kind of saw him. You're like, dude, this guy's just really good. And so for me, it was about a passing of a torch at a certain point. I feel like that was the big issue with the Bulls where there was no clear-cut, definitive guy on the team. It was kind of like, hey, man, you know, you got it, bro. You're the man. Oh, no, 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 bro, you're really good. And so that's why the end of the season when I saw – Zach and DeMar, it all started, man, I think it was like right before the play-in, a couple, couple weeks or whatever it was before the play-in, and I saw DeMar had a really good game. He was doing a post-game interview with Stacy and Adam Amin, or excuse me, Adam Dalla. and I saw Zach cut off the interview to give DeMar his son. 
And in that moment, it's like those are things you do only if you really respect one another, right? Like this is my son. Look like he's like six months old and you're handing him over to somebody. There has to be a level of comfort there, level of trust. And I was like, oh, damn, what is going on here? This is this is pretty cool. This makes me feel good. And then you kind of saw them play a little bit better together where, you know, they complimented each other a, a, a little bit more than they normally had in the past. And it started to kind of work out. And, of course, there are moments like the game against the Miami Heat. I'd been saying it for weeks. I said, you know, Zach should take like the Mike approach or the or LeBron approach where you're a facilitator in the first quarter. Let Vooch and DeMar do their thing because they're just walking buckets. You can score yours whenever you want. And obviously that didn't necessarily happen. But it doesn't take away from the, the talent that Zach Levine has. And, and, and DeMar, in his exit interview, he just had some really kind words to say about Zach. And I'm not saying that he wouldn't have said it last year or any point during the season, but you just love hearing it at the end when things have, when a bow has been wrapped and tied and put on top of the entire Chicago Bulls season. Listen, listen to DeMar DeRozan gush over Zach Levine. I mean, I mean for me, I've, I've never played with such a talented, gifted player at the wing position as, as Zach. And, you know, it was so many days, so many nights, so many times being in gym. He wooed, he wooed me in, in his capability. And with that, you know, with the experience I had, I always just try to help, you know, him hone into his talents on a whole nother level, you know, and that helped me be a better leader, a better, you know, vocal guy, you know, having somebody with such a talent, you know, bring something out of me because I, I see so much of him that he don't even realize. Yeah, so, I mean, I I love hearing that. And somebody from the 815 says, yeah, Gabe, you're the biggest Bulls apologist ever. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm a fan of the team, bro, my bad. I have high hopes. If you were my friend, I'd, I'd have high hopes for you too, even though you're a scumbag. Nah, I just like, I just like, see what I did there. <laughs> All right. The, I love what DeMar said there because, Mr. 815, I would say the same about you. I would gush over you despite everything because you know what? You see talent. But I wonder what's going to happen with this Bulls team. Is DeMar going to be able to gush over Zach Levine while they're wearing the same jersey next season? This is the question we're going to ask our next guest. Cody Westerlin is going to be hanging out with us. He's seen this Bulls team night in and night out, covering them from start to finish. And I'm curious if he thinks DeMar DeRozan will be on this team next year. We'll talk to Cody Westerlin after the break. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Office will obviously have to make a call on Booch. He'll have to make his own decision, too. When it comes to the big three with you, him and DeMar, do you feel like you guys maybe capped out, reached a ceiling, or if you guys can stick together and have that continuity going forward, is there more you guys can show? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's always more you can do. You have to be confident with that. You know, Vooch has been great ever since he came here from Orlando. He's one of the most skilled big dudes. He doesn't get enough credit for what he does for the team. You know, he's one of the best centers in the league. So, you know, me personally, I'll do, <laughs> I'm going to be someone doing him and try to keep him here as much as I can as well. So, you know, we all love Vooch here and appreciate him. Zach Levine sounds like me. Praising Nikola Vucevic, one of the most underrated big men in the league. Can't say it enough. There's 450 players in the league. Ten of them average over 10 rebounds a game. Vooch is fifth, or was fifth, a couple weeks ago. That's That, that says a lot. So, um, again, we get an opportunity to talk about what the future looks like for the Chicago Bulls in just a second. 
Uh, do not forget, it's Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score, leading you right into the Cubs game versus the Athletics. Cubs continue their road trip against the A's tonight. First pitch is going to be at 840 right here on The Score and the Xfinity Cubs radio network. So make sure you guys are here for that one. Zach Zaman's uh, got you for that pregame and leading you right into that one, all right, as I will do the same. All right, joining us right now on the Circuit Resort Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, covers the Bulls and a whole bunch of other things. He's like the me of the digital world. Of course, talk about none other than Cody Westland. Cody, what's going on, man? Hey, Gabe. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I got other things I want to talk to you about, but I want to get the Bulls out of the way first. So let's start with DeMar DeRozan. And, you know, I was talking about him and playing that cut that was on the Chicago Bulls Instagram account where he's kind of just praising Zach Levine, saying he's the best wing player he's ever played with, extremely talented. But something just tells me in my heart of hearts that DeMar is not going to be back with the team next year. Do you feel the same? Well, yeah, I mean, I I, kind of do. I mean, he's the guy that's logical if the Bulls are going to – tweak their roster in any meaningful way, right? Because this is a team that needs to move into the modern NBA a little bit more by way of three-point shots, and he's the guy that lives in the mid-range, you know? So I think that's the difficulty for the Bulls. And you heard the press conference on Saturday with AK. Like, he loves Vooch so much. Zach Levine's a guy who I think fits the modern NBA. So I'm with you there on DeMar. I think it makes the most sense. Now... The problem is, Gabe, I just I don't know what his trade value is. I don't know if you've identified teams in the NBA that'll that will want him after this playoff run ends, everything shakes out and teams are mad and and everything like that about their results. <laughs> so but true. It, it's hard, right? Because AK keeps preaching continuity, but I it's still just it would be head scratching if they trotted back this same roster. And I don't think anyone would say Io or Kobe leaving and another new player in place of them is really meaningful changing anything. So I, I do think that from what we've seen, DeMar would be the most likely to go out of the main three. You asked my, you answered my question before I could ask you, which is what could they get in return? And, and it was interesting because I talked to Joe Cowley uh, from the Sun-Times about you know DeMar, and you could tell he was a supporter, like most of us are, of DeMar DeRozan. And we got into the conversation, Joe and I, about where what what – does a potential landing spot for a guy like DeMar DeRozan look like, right? Because of his game, like where could he go? And and we talked about a couple teams like the Clippers would be, you know, like a place for him. And just from a fan's perspective, right? Because we do like DeMar DeRozan. I like DeMar DeRozan. I don't want to speak for you. But like when you look at the the landscape of the NBA and what teams are missing sort of a DeMar DeRozan, where, where where do you think you can kind of point to as a landing spot, not necessarily a trading partner, but just like as a cat, you know, as a fan that likes the NBA and likes DeMar, you know, where could you see him kind of fitting in? I just fired up the NBA standings here Love Gabe, it. To, to, to make sure I'm reading every team in order of how they finished. And I really don't see any fits among these championship contenders mm-hmm. because the Suns would have had interest if they didn't get Kevin Durant. The Lakers would have had interest at the trade deadline if they didn't shake up their roster with the Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt trade and kind of tweak everything around there. And what they did looks like it was the complete right call. I would expect them to keep taking that route of more role players rather than than star players and star names around LeBron and AD. So those were the teams identified before. The Clippers, absolutely, because it's Los Angeles. 
and they have flirted with DeMar DeRozan before. And the other important thing with the Clippers is they're going to have trade assets, and they also have an owner in Steve Ballmer who doesn't care about money. So if they want to blow millions and millions and tens of millions of dollars past the luxury tax to add someone like DeMar to be their fifth man, to be their sixth man, they could happily do it if it fits. And I think there's a key point with the Clippers. Like I'm looking at those standings, and, and you mentioned Cali identified them too. They took Russell Westbrook on. Like, are him and DeMar DeRozan not in some ways like the same player, right? Like, their best basketball is behind them. They don't fit the modern NBA game with the three-point shooting. But Westbrook has been someone they needed when everyone said there's no way he could help them, really, in the big picture. He has so far, even though it's been rocky shooting on many nights. But maybe there's a fit for DeMar DeRozan with them. But other than that, like, I, I'm not seeing a lot, right? Like, some of these are younger teams. Some of these teams in the East, like I don't think he fits with anyone at the top of the East, so it's really hard. And then the question becomes, does anyone in the middle want him? Because rebuilding teams aren't going to want him, so that's <laughs> right. where it gets difficult. Yeah. It's tough, man. Yeah, you know, I look at like a maybe like a Minnesota, but I only say it because I, like I mentioned at the beginning, I do think that Demar will no longer be a member of the Chicago Bulls next season. But but then you have to, if you're a sick fan like I am, then you got to go a step further and be like, okay, well, well, where does he go? What does that look like? And of course. There's always going to be shakeup in the off season, but you know you try to at least kind of get a feeler for like what what where could he even you know kind of fit into that space. But you know again that's Demar and AK they got to worry about that because you're right it'll be a a, a bona fide head scratcher Cody if the Bulls come back with that same roster. We're talking to Cody Westerlin, our editor in chief here at 670 The Score. He also covers the Bulls all season long, uh, which is where what we're discussing right now. Cody, I get a lot of crap for calling Zach Levine a superstar. And, and when I talk about this, like, passing of the torch that, you know, which I had been aiming for all season long to happen, where Zach kind of just took over, he did in, like, the last couple of months of the season. But I get crap for it. And, and I get it. All right, fine. You can put on at the end of that statement, Cody, you can say superstar <laughs> on this team, right? Yes. You know, and, and you don't necessarily say in this league. You can say on this team. But, but where am I going wrong with that statement? Because I do have faith in a guy like Zach Levine. You, I mean, you're wrong because he has one playoff victory and not, not a series <laughs> victory, but a, a single victory in any series in, in the playoffs. You're, you're wrong because he didn't show up in the fourth quarter against the Heat in the play-in tournament loss the other night. So uh, superstar, no. Star, yes, by definition, he's been an all-star a couple times. And if you if you kicked out that slow start this year, he certainly played at an all-star level probably for, for 50, 60 games of, of this season as well. So that's fair. I think Zach, Zach had a pretty good year, right? Like we know his limitations. Um, he's been much criticized in the past for his defense and his um, ability or lack thereof at times to elevate everyone on the floor. But like he was awesome out there. Like you knew what you're getting from him almost every single night other than, like you said, like the play-in tournament loss against the Heat was bad for him. No doubt about that. He was disappointed. But he took the court 77 times pretty much every time after the first two weeks of the season. High efficiency, three-point shooting. Like, I, I think you have to love what you got out of Zach Levine this year and like feel confident that you can build and count on this guy. Now, to me, it's on the Bulls to cover for his deficiencies and it is those deficiencies, Gabe, that prevent him from being a superstar rather than just a star. And you win championships and go to the Eastern Conference Finals with, with superstars in this league usually. So I think that's where you're a little off base. Yeah, I get it. I know my, I'm, I'm usually clouded uh, by my fandom. It's okay, and, I, and I'm okay with that. And that's why I need 
to ask questions to the real people that cover the team. You know, me, I look at it through a different lens, so I, I understand that. But I, I try to think about Zach, and I look at him. He's 28 years old, and I think to yeah. myself, is there? You know, Demar talks about you know the, 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 these levels, or how can he get to another level? Do you think there's another level for a 28 year old uh, Zach Levine? Oh, absolutely. Oh, good. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. I, I don't think that Zach Levine is going to get to the level where his teammates are incredibly awesome and uplifted because of him and his decision making. <laughs> but what Zach can do is just cut back on those dumb decisions, right? Like he had a couple really tough live ball turnovers against the Heat. Uh, that went the other way for, for easier hoops, got them going. If he just cuts down on those rough turnovers, like that right there makes him a more efficient player. That right there is going to give teams even more difficulty guarding him when they blitz out to him at the three-point line, how, how much aggressiveness they want to play with. That's difficult. So like there's there are still huge strides for him to take, I think, just in decision-making in the pick-and-roll uh, decision making when he gets into the lane because right like he can finish with the best of them because he's that athletic and that talented with the ball in his hands but he's just got to figure out when uh, I think when it's best to shoot when it's best to pass in all that uh, among the trees I guess in the paint and if he does that I think that's the next big step for him and like, I mean I think he can keep probably even shooting three-pointers at a higher clip right there were some times this year where his three-point shot making or, or taking even waned for stretches if, if he shoots those at an even higher clip I, I think there's more efficiency for him to get because like you said like 28 like this is his prime he's still got he can have two three really more efficient seasons ahead of him I think if he does it correctly that's a great point I love the fact that you're coming up with solutions for a guy like Zach Levine right where where are those gaps where can he improve in? and it's crazy Cody because you and I talked about Zach's live ball turnovers where he jumps in the air when yeah. instead of shooting he kind of, and he got away from that for a little bit seemed a bit more decisive in certain instances after Pat Bev was like stop passing the ball but then you're right he fell back into that against Miami where he had some really bad timely uh turnovers that that didn't necessarily bode well for him and then you're right it, that does play into the emotions yeah. of, of your teammates right I mean, yeah, Zach, Zach's a guy who, like, say what you want, but, like, a lot of the Bulls' offense was still initiated through DeMar, right? Like, there is a step, and that is whether DeMar is here or whether they part ways with him in a trade this offseason where Zach can have the ball in his hands a little bit more, and with that comes slightly higher turnovers, so that's on him to, to kind of peel that back. But, like, he only averaged 4.2 assists this year. I when I say I don't think he's going to uplift his teammates to some really high level, like what I mean is like, I don't expect him to ever be an eight assist guy. Mm. You know, I think seven would, would be a big number for Zach Levine, but like if he can uptick his assist to closer to like six per game, like I think that's like a reasonable goal for him, a reasonable next step in the playmaking to go along with his scoring. Yeah, we, I think that would help a lot. We saw Kevin Durant do it yesterday. You know, way he became a distributor, you know, when, when he felt like uh, he wanted to uplift his, his his teammates there. So that's something that's that's possible. Uh, another person I'm looking at on this team, uh, the Iron Man. I call him the Iron Man because, you know, during a free agent year, you know you play 82 games or you try your hardest <laughs> yeah. to play all 82, and that's the situation that Vooch finds himself in. He said he's going to test the waters of free agency. We know he bought a house here last year. Not that that means much. You know, people could just buy and sell houses whenever they want. But and you but you also mentioned the fact that AK has been you know gushing over a guy like Vooch. I do too, Cody. I try to say it to anyone that'll listen. There's 450 players in the NBA. 
Only 10 of them average over 10 rebounds a game. And Vooch is one of those, and he's at the top half of that 10. And you don't find guys like that too often. Uh, what, what's your overall take on a guy like Vooch? Do you see him as someone where and, – and, not, and Put aside the fact that you know you had to trade the draft picks for him and everything, but is he a guy that you personally are like, yeah, we have to have a guy like Vooch back next year on this roster? No, I don't. I don't okay. think in a vacuum. I'm not the guy that's like the Bulls have to have him back or any team has to have him back. Now the circumstance, I think it makes the most sense for the Bulls to resign Vooch because if he walks, that is not a twenty million dollar salary slot, Gabe. That is just money that's still above the cap, but can't immediately be used on another player as cap space, right? Like when you're operating that far above say, the say salary. Say that again. Yeah. Say that again, Cody, because I think I think a lot of people are not like, my, like myself, not understand. Like when you say, so that's dead money. Like we can't just go like, oh, we're gonna give it to Vooch. Now we can just give it to somebody else. Yeah. So I mean, when you operate above the salary cap, like the Bulls did this year, by what, like twenty-five million over. And that player that is your own player leaves and you're only going back toward like right where the salary cap is, that money can't be used on someone else, right? <laughs> because it would take a salary cap exception. And that's where like the mid-level exception comes mm. in, right? But the Bulls can bring Vooch back and still use the mid-level exception depending on how they want to flirt with the luxury tax, which is usually $25, $30 million more than the salary cap. So... Um, I know that's complicated, but the point is, like, the Bulls can't just let Vooch walk because he made $22 million and then sign a player that's $12 million a year and then sign a player that's $10 million a year in that $22 million of his. So to me, it makes more sense to bring him back, keep him in the fold. He will produce for you, or maybe there's a sign and trade out there too, right? Like, you don't want guys leaving for nothing. So, so that's kind of my approach on that. Like, it makes sense. I understand why they'd bring him back. But my criticism of the Bulls is I just don't think paying $20 million for a center in the NBA who doesn't protect the rim well is any formula that will ever get you close to a championship. You're using way too much of your salary cap space on someone who doesn't protect the rim well, and that's really rough. So I think for the Bulls, the best thing would be at some point here to just get a center that's $10 million a year who plays good defense, dives to the rim, gets some rebounds, throws some lob dunks down, right? Like, And then you just, I think your roster is better built in the modern NBA that way. But I will admit it's easier said than done, and there's like no immediate answer right now, Gabe. So they have to keep that in mind while they juggle the uh, the present and the future, I guess. I love the sign and trade aspect and, and the possibility of something like that where you can get some assets, you know, because, I mean, you said it, not a rim protector. I mean, Pat Bev has the same amount of, uh, blocks per game is Vooch right now. So, yeah. I mean, it just kind of tells you where, where that whole thing is at. All right, that's some, that's some good stuff right there. All right, Cody, before I let you go, I know you yeah. just had a baby right now, man. How you feeling? Is it, is it, how, many day, how many days ago was it? Uh, it was last Tuesday. My wife and I welcomed, uh, welcomed Connor. He's doing uh, great. So what does that make him? He's uh, seventh, day, se- seventh day, I guess, on earth. Six, six days, yeah. basically. Since, you, you, uh, you've had a little sleep. You don't realize it hasn't been a week yet. It's he, okay. It's he okay. Hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't been too bad, Gabe. The first couple nights were really rough, but he's already uh, he's sleeping pretty well for the most so part. So you got you know, him on. I mean, Are you, is your swaddle game good or what? Uh, yeah, he yeah he's really picky about which swaddles he wants. Like you know how there's like Velcro ones and yeah. stuff. He hates those. So like you just gotta do your your own kind of freestyle one and do it correctly. But he uh, 
as long as his hands can like maneuver toward the top a little bit, he's yeah. good. He doesn't like the straight jacket one. That's very the one. Well. Yeah, that's the one where you kind of got to like bend their arms up where it's by their face because then they can kind of self soothe that way. But then you yeah. still wrap it across so that the arms can kind of stay tight and he doesn't get anywhere. That's the hardest part, man. The first couple of weeks is when you set the tone. You know, yeah, you set the tone. This is how you're going to sleep, Papa. And well, none of this funny business. Well, we were we were in the hospital. I mean, the first the first game he saw was the Bulls' comeback win against the Raptors <laughs> last Wednesday. So that's so he, how it started. But then uh, he was also in the living room when we were watching the, mm. the Bulls in the Heat the other night. But, so so got to get him back in the hospital so the Bulls can get some victories. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if the uh, the checkbook can handle yeah. another trip there. But. I, I bet. I bet. Hey, mom's doing good. Yeah, she's doing she's doing as well as we could hope. So um, we're we're really lucky and thankful for that. That's um, that, certainly that's great stuff, man. So I mean, how does it feel to be a dad? How how you feeling, man? It's it's crazy, man. I mean, it's just like you you don't realize it obviously when they're not your kids, but like you can just see the development every day. Like when it's your own kid, you know. Like he's, I was telling Porth when I was talking to him, Ryan Porth, our um, program director here. Just like you can already see him using his hands like with more intention to like grab the bottle or he likes grabbing our hands and like soothing himself a little bit, you know, or like almost scratching his eyes already. Like that didn't even happen on day one or day two. And we're already on like day six and you can kind of see. So hopefully, Gabe, hopefully, Gabe, he has great coordination, right? Like yeah. That would be great because good coordination, <laughs> probably good at sports, too. <laughs> that's what that's what the hope. That's all we really care about in that situation is whether or not he's going to be good, man. I'm super happy for you. You know, I'm a dad of two, so, you know, I yep. love hearing things like this. I love seeing pictures. I can't wait to meet the little guy. Uh, if I, I, I got to give you one bit of advice, though. Right? Okay. It wouldn't Let's be remiss of me if I didn't do that. And this is kind of – it's not like a happy, funny one. This is like a serious one, right? Yeah. And it is that, you know, arguments increase when kids are put into the equation, okay? Yeah. But I think it's very important, and I always try to tell all my new dads this. It is very important during those disagreements, we'll call them, to understand when they have nothing to do with your relationship and everything mm-hmm. to do with the raising of the child. And I think when you can do that, you minimize the, the amount of times that there are disagreements because you can kind of fall back and be like, hey, we're sleep deprived. This isn't really us. Or, hey, we're talking about the kid, right? It's not us. You know, I still love you. Yep. You know, like those kinds of things. So that's the number one thing I'll tell you just so that that way the home could be as happy as possible while you're bringing Connor home uh, and you guys are enjoying yourselves, man. I, I appreciate that, brother. That's, uh, that's great advice. Um, and I'll probably be hitting you up uh, for some more of it hey. through, the, uh, through the weeks. I'm months, here I'm here for it, bro. Years. Sleep when they sleep is another one I'll tell you right now. All right, Cody Wesley, That's I appreciate good. you hanging out with me, man. Get back to the shorty. I'll give him a couple kisses on the head from Theo Gabe, all right? I'll talk yep. to you soon, Cody. Thanks, Gabe. You have a good evening. Of course. Editor-in-chief here at 670 The Score, Cody Westerlin, and brand-new daddy. It's the best title of them all, man. I'll tell you that right now. And like he said, every time they go to sleep, Literally, in those first couple of months, right, Caesar? You got kids, man. You got a kid. You, every time they go to sleep, they wake up, something different about them. It's kind of wild. It, uh, I could so relate to what he said about seeing them uh, just develop on a daily basis. You know, uh, what he said about seeing it from afar and then you having your own kids and seeing it every day. It is yeah. pretty amazing. It is, man. I, I was my, my youngest daughter is one and a half. My oldest turns three in a week. And my oldest was one and a half when we had the first baby. So we have a lot of pictures. And so when we look at our daughter, that's now three and how she was at a year and a half when we first had the baby, it's like a totally different person. You're like an adult now. And before she was like a little baby at a year and a half. So they're just making those changes constantly. So we're anticipating the changes of our youngest now, even though she looks the way she looks. 
They're like, you're not even going to look like this in six months. This is crazy. So shout out to all the dads out there, man. Even the stepdads out there, man, handling business. Anybody that's taking care of another human being, that's a, it's a, it's a valiant effort, man, valiant uh, responsibility. And, I, and I, I shout out to everybody that's doing that. All right. Uh, I do want to continue some Bulls conversation. Okay. And it is only because today on the score, there has been some incredible takes that have happened here. Not even, not only was Casey Johnson on well, Mully and Grody, um, but Rahimi and Holmes did a round table with uh, Jason Goff, Bill Wennington, Stacey King. I want to play some clips so you can hear their take on the state of the Bulls. We'll do that on the other side. All right. It's Gabe Ramirez. Right here on a Monday on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and on 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Ready to roll. Gabe Ramirez leading you into Cubs baseball. Cubs continue the road trip against the A's tonight. First pitch is at 840 right here on 670 The Score. Pre-game, 805 with Zach Zabeman. And on the Xfinity Cubs radio network, they're taking care of you today. So uh, I'm taking you care, taking care of you up until then. All right. And we've been talking Bulls basketball all hour long. And it is because the state of the Bulls, I mean, I don't know if people really understand what's happening with this team where there could be a really, really big shakeup with the Chicago Bulls. You heard Cody Westerland talk about, you know, a potential Vooch sign and trade. You have zero idea what those assets could look like in return. The possibility of a DeMar DeRozan trade just because of the fit that everyone seems to be able to see is not working. What kind of assets would you be able to get back in that trade? It's a lot of moving pieces. Seeing guys like Pat Will, Kobe White play better towards the end of the season, Pat Bev come in and make a difference. So I wanted to play some clips from today. Just, just again, incredible coverage on the station today. Gosh. Holmes and Rahimi did a little roundtable with Stacey King, Jason Goff, and Bill Wennington. And then Mully and Grody earlier today were talking to Casey Johnson, all just about the state of the Chicago Bulls. And so I want to play first some Casey Johnson and him talking about his interpretation of AK's end-of-season press conference. I, I do feel like Arturis is not as um, – he's not as transparent with his plans as maybe John Paxson was, right? I mean, publicly in, in those statements. With John, when he went up there – the only reason I'm bringing up John, I know it's been several years since he's been gone, but just because he was there for so long, he's so familiar mm-hmm. in Chicago – um, we all we all we all knew him, you know, from his playing days and his broadcasting days. John was John was pretty easy to read. I mean, he he was a hard on his sleeve guy. Arturis is not that way at all. Um, now Arturis, when you get him, you know, away from the the microphone, he's he's a funny guy. He's got a good personality. I've got to know him, um, and he's different. But up there, I, I like your question mark because. He does not always – it's not as easy to read him. But the one thing I would say I 100% believe is they are not rebuilding. I, I 100% believe that. They're not doing that. He he had that team. He inherited that team. And he watched it for three-quarter season, and he's like – I love what he said right there. I mean, because, listen, he said like John Paxson. He should have said like Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles is transparent as transparent comes, baby. We all know what's happening. 
Baba, I'm trying to trade this number one pick. Hey, hey, some people are out here trying to get it. Come get it if you want it. Hey, I told you. I traded it. Got DJ Moore, didn't I? Hey, anybody else want this number nine pick? <laughs> like, it's as transparent as transparent can be, but I get it. AK doesn't have, you know, interviews, doesn't do all that stuff. But I think we all, so that just leaves us the ability of speculation, right? Just to kind of see what could that look like? What, what could that be? And Casey Johnson talked about moving one of the pieces that make up the big three for the Chicago Bulls. About the more money, well, I don't know where I should start with this. I'll start with DeMar. That's where my focus is of the three, remembering that Vooch can walk on his own, right? And that's why I think the Bulls are in a situation where they almost have to overpay for him because if you let him get to unrestricted free agency, then the choice is out of your hands. He can do whatever he wants. Now, I don't think there's going to be a huge, you know, massive, like, you know, huge money market for him. But there might be one team out there that says, all right, here's a competitive offer. And then, but, and then what the point is you've left the choice up to him then because you've let it get to uh, unrestricted free agency. So I personally think if the bulls want to make sure he's back, I, you, you make him a very strong extension offer before July one and try to get that done. But my focus is on DeMar for that very reason. You said, I don't see them trading Zach. And as far as his value, you know, he had obviously greater value before the trade deadline um, because then you have him for two playoff runs and, um, you know, he's el- he's extension eligible this offseason. He's basically a one-year rental now unless you trade for him and extend him um, this summer. So, Yeah, and I, and I love what Casey's saying right there because you're pointing out the facts, right? And so you see what AK is working with in that particular situation. But, I mean, it's a result of the Chicago Bulls team and what they did this season. We know this. Bulls were as inconsistent as inconsistent could be. It was frustrating because it wasn't even just game to game. It was quarter to quarter. They'd be playing like crap in the first, come back and dominate in the second, crap in the third, and they come back and win the game in the fourth, or vice versa, whatever you want to, you know, however you would slice it. And so during the roundtable discussion today with Stacey King, Jason Goff, and Bill Wennington, uh, Bill Wennington talked about just that, the Bulls' inconsistency. <laughs> and and the simple answer is just let's look at the last two games that the Bulls played. Yeah. We played the second half of Toronto, absolutely outstanding. You had a Jordan-esque type finish by Zach Levine. Bulls come back and <clears throat> and win a, a big game, huge. The last five minutes, especially the last two minutes of the Miami game, what team is that? And that's the inconsistencies and the roller coasters that you have. <clears throat> Honestly, calling that game in Miami was exciting. Because the way the Bulls played, it got in. The energy was there. It was a real playoff atmosphere. But the last you know, four minutes, you're starting, uh oh, things are bad. And then the last minute, you're like, what's going on? Is this the first time you guys played together? Because you're throwing <laughs> the ball out of bounds, you're creating turnovers. And it was just that type of season where they showed you some things that really looked good. And you were excited about the possibilities, but then it just was not consistent enough. I mean, we're talking about a team that never won four games in a row. And, and you beat some really good teams and had some great efforts to, on the floor, but you just couldn't put it together consistently. Wow, I didn't know the Bulls didn't win four in a row. That's tough. That's tough, but Bill Wennington calling it like he sees it. And I love hearing it because he's absolutely right. I love that statement. Did you guys plan like you Have you guys ever played together before? <laughs> it's like... And you got a guy in Vooch who played 82 games. Zach played 70-something. Like, there's, you know, people were playing. There should have been consistency. 
wasn't the stat like there was no three players that have been on the floor for more time than the Chicago Bulls? Is that is that that was the stat, right? I believe so. I, I mean, I just think about times where you would see them beat Milwaukee one night, and then a couple of nights come yeah. back and lose to Houston. Yeah, or know, Orlando like or something like that. Two or three like nights that. later. And, and yeah. Bill Wennington's so right. I mean, it happened all year. That's exactly what you've seen all year. It's tough. So one of the questions the Bulls are going to have is what's going to happen with the point guard position. Obviously, they saw what kind of a difference a guy like Pat Bev made. But who's going to take on that role? Stacey King uh, threw somebody's name out there during the roundtable discussion. Well, I, I think you got a rim protection in Andre Drummond. You just got to play him. I mean, you know, you go to that Miami game, I, I thought he made a huge difference in that game, offensive rebounds. Uh, you know, he, he switches out, he gets steals. He averages about a steal a game uh, on those switches. I mean, you just got to find more minutes for him, and, and hopefully he's back next year. Um, point guard, definitely, you know, because you don't know, like I said, you don't know Zoe's situation. You definitely need a point guard, and, and I, I I really think Kobe's the point guard. I just think you got to give him the keys to the car. And uh, and then if you do that, then you can go get maybe go get a shooter. You know, you don't have to spend money to go get a point guard. Uh, maybe you get a point guard, you know, that's not so expensive off the bench because um, there's a ton of talented players in the NBA that are on the bench right now and that you don't have to spend. You can probably go trade for a bag of Doritos for. Um, you don't have to go over the cap to get those guys. But And I look, I like a good bag of Doritos. It could be, you know what I'm saying, could be valuable at certain points. I love what he said, though. Because, listen, let's, let's think about the career of Kobe White as a Chicago Bull. When he first was brought in, even though he ran the point in North Carolina, he was a, a, a shooter, scorer. And the Bulls brought in Thomas Sadoransky to run the point. Remember that? To kind of show Kobe how to do it. And then Kobe White learned that, did that. And then they brought in Goran this year to kind of be like, hey, this is how you do it. Lonzo, this is how you do it. So the hope is that Kobe White is finally there. We know he could shoot now. Zero questions. We know he could score at this level. He's getting a little bit older. He feels like he can impose his will a little bit more. Can you run the point, though? Can you be like Pat Bev, getting to the cup and then finding the open man and making the right play? All he kept talking about this year was the work he put in with his ball handling. Yeah. And, and you know, in so many post-game conferences, you heard him being praised for the improvement in his ball handling. So, I don't see any reason why he can't come to this offseason with that same effort and, and focus and be even better next year at handling the ball. And if he doesn't, Dalen Terry's going to start working on that three and putting some fire under his butt trying to take that position because we didn't get to see it last year. But Dalen Terry, if you saw him at Arizona, you see any of his highlights, he likes to run the floor and distribute the ball. He's ne- he is not a scoring point guard. And that's what the Bulls need if they got a guy like Zach Levine. All right, Gabe Ramirez, 670 to score. Coming up next, we get to switch gears a little bit and talk about our two baseball teams, White Sox, Cubs, uh, at pretty much either ends of the spectrum right now. Opposite ends of the spectrum right now. And we get to talk to Mark Gonzalez from the Chicago Sun-Times. Does he think the the Cubs can sneak into the playoffs this year? No, no, no. I didn't ask you, Cesar Perez. I know what your answer is. I want to know what Mark Gonzalez has to say. You want to know what he has to say as well? Make sure you're here for it on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez, 670 to score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.